Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Hello, everybody. And th- what? Did you just try <laughs> to interrupt me? I'm doing the intro. <laughs> I was waiting for you and you didn't start, so I was going to start singing Cabaret. Would you like to do the intro, sir? Nope. Nope. That's right, because this is episode number 73. This week we are playing politics with user experience. We're going to be looking at 14 of our, well, I'm not going to say favorite, but closest (laughs) campaign websites to Aaron and I. Technically adjacent. Seeing what they do right, what they do wrong, what we would change, and why we would change those things. Folks, welcome to the show. I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other other host, Aaron Hill. How you doing, Michael? Who apparently felt the need to eat dinner while we were recording. <laughs> Jesus. I want something to go off my drink, man. Oh, my God. Folks, if you are enjoying the Drunken UX podcast, and I sincerely hope that you are, I hope that you will take the time to run by our kind and fantastic sponsors over at the Live at Manning conference series. Uh, they are, in fact... Depending on when you're listening to this, which hopefully is on release day, it's October 12th, and that means <laughs> tomorrow they are doing the Women in Tech Conference. Uh, just stop by our site, drunkenux.com slash womenintech. That'll take you to a landing page where you can sign up and just get a free uh, pass for it. It'll be, it'll be hosted on Twitch, and you'll get to learn all about everything from what it's like to work in the industry to VR and algorithmic design and all kinds of stuff. So... Um, that's going to be a super awesome little event that costs nothing. While you're typing things into your browser, you should come by and check out Twitter and Facebook.com slash DrunkenUX, Instagram.com slash DrunkenUX podcast, although let's be real, you're going to use it on your phone. That's where people use it. So open up your phone and search for DrunkenUX podcast. <clears throat> you can also, when you're done typing DrunkenUX.com slash women in tech, you can go to DrunkenUX.com slash discord and come and talk with us. About things. Say hello. I uh, see you are clearly eating, and <laughs> we will ask everybody to forgive you later, but I would like to know what you are drinking with said. I have, I have a Tangeray and tonic. <laughs> you didn't even get creative on your drink tonight. You're just like, I'm just going to... I'm just phone... Uh, it, man, it's, it's, it's a holiday weekend, so I'm give, like, I'll give you I'll finish my work day. This is one time, but we're gonna we're gonna note this in your sound check later this year. Um, I'm drinking a Bloody Mary. Nice, different beaten path for me. Um, I gotta say the container you're drinking out of is really interesting. What is right, that? Right, yeah. Um, so my buddy came over to, uh, here a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, not a couple weeks, a week ago, something like that. Um, he is also doing some online conference stuff, and one of hmm. the events he's uh, working with wanted him to do some uh like cocktail making demonstration oh cool so he came over because i've got a little wet bar in my house so we set up in front of my wet bar and i did video for him and and audio and all of that and kind of mixed together some quick little three four minute videos that they could mm-hmm. share through the live stream so as part of my illustrious compensation for this fantastic <laughs> endeavor um, i got to drink the cocktails after he made them and oh my god he made uh, one of the drinks was Bloody Mary, um, and so he made a fresh, 
Bloody Mary uh, mix, and I took a, a big jar of it. So I've got one of these super old-fashioned uh, be- uh, ball jars, like mm-hmm. the old blue yeah. glass ball jar with the with glass the lid and bottle. the little metal like crank down lock on it. It looks like a really big Grolsch bottle. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I'm always looking for excuses to use these things. So it's like, man, <laughs> filling it up with just a, a good old-fashioned Bloody Mary mix and, and keeping that in the fridge and can't go wrong. Uh, doing it with Tito's because Tito's vodka is good in uh, absolutely everything. So a little bit spicy too. It's mm-hmm. sat for a few days now and it has... Uh, it up a little bit in that time. <laughs> Getting started this week, we are going to be talking about political campaign websites because we thought it was, you know, kind of a fitting thing. But most importantly, somebody asked for it. <laughs> this was a request from a listener, and so we said, "Yeah, we can do that." And I figured lining this up, sort of uh, leading into the election, was, you know, a a prescient timing. Is that uh, yeah using the right adjective there? I've got a few weeks until election day, so. Yeah, so this is, and so let's start with my drunken disclaimer. <laughs> this, because this this episode definitely needs it. First and foremost, we avoided sites that were not relevant to us. So when we were looking at uh, campaign sites, I looked mm-hmm. at sites for Kansas, Aaron looked at sites for New York. We didn't pull up sites for folks in Utah or Florida. Um, we did look at the president, uh, presidential candidates, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, senatorial uh uh, openings and seats, House representatives, and without regard for the politics of the candidate. Mm-hmm. We are looking at the usability of these sites. We are looking at the accessibility of these sites. We'll both endeavor to keep political opinion and bias out of this and deal strictly with uh, data and objective stuff as yeah. much as possible. I would say the only political statement I will make is that you should vote. I don't care who you vote for, just vote. Another quick note, um, or two quick notes, uh, we did do some performance testing on these sites. I throttled my connection to a 100 megabit uh, connection on these sites, because I have fiber. I hate, I hate that you have to f- throttle I your know, connection right. to a 100. But can... I, I do have fiber, and obviously that has an impact on how quickly stuff loads, and that is not a fair representation, I think, for most areas. That's a reasonably good cable internet connection at that point. Um, so there's that. And the, the last point I'll make is what we are talking about now. If you try to go look at some of these sites, you may not find it because yeah. these campaign sites do change and they do change a lot more closer to the election. So, so that, but our look here is kind of a snapshot in time over the last couple of weeks as we've looked at these sites and when we benchmarked them, um, I used, I use a pie hole, uh, at my house. So, uh, <laughs> when I did. Stop. It's not that funny. <laughs> I'm laughing because my when my daughter was younger, she thought that the pie hole was your butt. It's not? It's not. It's your, yes, it's your face, because that's where you put pie, but... That's where you put pie. Yeah. At any rate, <laughs> I did turn off my pie hole for those, uh, for those tests. And I also made sure I didn't have I, – I didn't use Firefox because they have a lot of native uh, blocking built in. So mm, um, right. I, I tried when I did my speed tests to make sure it was as vanilla and heavy as designed, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked at 14, so there's 14 total sites in, in this list. Um, from a performance standpoint, I do have to say I was kind of surprised, actually. <laughs> I was really prepared for these to not be good. Mm-hmm. 
And what I found was, oddly enough, like the small local candidates had what I think were obviously the simplest sites. As mm-hmm. a result, they were also the fastest. Mm-hmm. They were the least advanced. They didn't have funky, you know, rollover states or carousels in top or YouTube videos. They were a page of HTML and a couple photos. Yes, I, I don't know that, that that's that surprising, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I guess I think what I was more surprised of was I expected some of those sites, I guess, to be more like, hey, we'll just throw it yeah, in Wix or Squarespace. And not all of them did. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, size wise. So here's where we start getting getting into numbers. Um the the mean site out of the fourteen was two point four megs. That's that's pretty small, like all things considered. Yeah, again, I really expected it to be a lot higher. Um that is the transferred size. So I'm talking about um, you know, compressed G zipped, what mm-hmm. is actually coming down the wire to you, not what it's like once it's expanded. Some of the sites mm-hmm. actually got pretty big um with that. Right. But I felt like what mattered was how much data had to come down that wire to get to you wherever you were. Keeping in mind, mm-hmm. like in Kansas in particular, huge chunk of our state is very rural in nature and doesn't have access to fiber like some of us do in good old <laughs> Pittsburgh. Um, so that's that's a real issue. The median was two point five five megs, so pretty close there. You know, you're all, you know difference of point one five, so one hundred and fifty kilobytes, give or take. The median website size on HTTP Archive is 2.1 megabytes for comparison. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a little bit over, but not by a whole lot, really. That was you know what's, real surprising. You know what's interesting is um, there, there doesn't, with respect to uh, page metrics and telemetry, there doesn't appear to be a consistent correlation with either party in any direction. Like yeah. they're the the performance, like I see the largest page size was four point two megs. It belonged to a Republican. And the the smallest was also smallest a page size was also a Republican at 0.29 megabytes. That that site I think might be my favorite of all of them because it is a table based layout site. <laughs> and like like written in manual and, HTML. And it likes like, it. <laughs> it does. It you is. said it looked like a 2002 like brochureware site, and it's like it really does. But man, like I got a lot of respect for that. Like that's that's like some real like like traditional American bootstrapping right there. <laughs> so the other performance metric we took a look at was loading time. Mm. Um, mean was 3.17 seconds. Median was 2.38 seconds. Both very fast times. And the HTTP archive median was 6.7 seconds, almost three times what these sites were. So the the load times on these sites was actually incredibly good. Nancy Engel, she came in at 2.11 seconds with a finish time of 2.33 seconds. So, you know, 200 milliseconds from on load to finish, um, like that. That timing is on lockdown, basically. The <laughs> fastest site was the one that Aaron brought up, uh, Richard Hildebrand's site, uh, Hilt Hildebrand. Table-based layout, 1.87 seconds, finished yeah. in 3.27 seconds. That's, that's great. But loaded in 1.87 seconds. 
ideally you still want all of these times lower like a, a one second load time is sort of like the golden yeah if, i don't if think you any get of them, there quick you know what that it's it's hard point, like that that is not an easy uh achievement to to make oh if uh by the way if uh statistics and page load stuff interest you and you want to know more about first contentful paint check out episode 68 where we talk about page performance yeah that's right so let's start getting into some fun topics though first off accessibility <laughs> all right so w before we get into this all right so my my bias my bias here was that the the sites that were left-leaning would be more likely to have be accessible because they'd be more likely to care about that and that's my bias coming into this but what what was your finding though my finding was it's a god awful mess out there. <laughs> it's real what, bad. No, what, did, what what did you use to track these? So yeah, so I did a couple things here. Part of this and and the meat and potatoes part of this discussion is going to be some manual test stuff I did. Mm -hmm. um, I did on every site we went through and checked every site in the uh, Wave extension. Mm -hmm. So if you're not familiar with it, Wave makes a plugin that you can load in, in Firefox and Chrome, whatever that will give you a quick automated scan of a page. This is not a, an end-all be-all because it is a programmatic tool, so it can only see things that it can see. Um, and there's a lot of accessibility stuff that is not testable in that way. So mm -hmm. what I did was I took the, the big two um, that it scores, which are um, accessibility errors and contrast issues, and added those okay. together. Okay. So the mean um of these 14 sites was 30 total errors wow. or issues and the median was 23 to give you the range though cuz i think the range is a little valuable the lowest number was 7 mm -hmm. on a kansas candidate and the highest was 122 with one of the new york uh folks by <laughs> and large but the, interesting both the, of those are republicans the lowest the lion's the share of these issues <laughs> was contrast yeah far and long i i didn't actually separate the numbers out but i just visually as i was going through and adding them up like contrast was like the failure point for most of these huh but not the only one so let's talk about how, how things really fell apart as i started looking at this <laughs> stuff trump made one error that drives me nuts okay and that's having photos and using the photos as a backdrop for text. And so in this, okay. in this case, yeah. like he's got a lot of white text over busy photos in some cases, like yeah, very active. In one case, he's got white text over a photo of one of his signs. And while there is like a semi-transparent layer between them, it's still a shade of white with mm -hmm. white on top of it. That's the then so when I say like wave can't test for everything, the wave plugin can't check that kind of thing. It's not able right. to know and where text falls on some of these photos is entirely a function of how big your browser is. So right. you, you do have to be a little considerate of some of that kind of stuff. But that issue uh to me was a big standout and it's something that's so easily solved. Yep. Just do it, a drop shadow. Just do drop shadow, put a black box behind it or, mm -hmm. you know, a semi black box, anything to really provide a hard separation between that text and the background. 
if you do a drop shadow, I, I believe the parameters are two pixel, two pixel drop shadow with a black. Um, it'll fuzz it just a tiny bit and it will basically give like a very thin black outline around the text. And you're guaranteed that it is readable on pretty much almost any kind of background. It's basically you put it over top of a Jackson. Yeah, 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 exactly. You put it like a Jackson Pollock painting. It might not make much sense, but. <laughs> um, so I'm going to call out Barbara Bollier's site. Okay. I noticed this immediately, and at first I got excited, and then I remembered what people told us in the past. Uh, She's using an accessibility tool from UserWay, so it's a little JavaScript plugin on the page. You know what I learned? Control-U brings it up, which is the shortcut for uh, viewing the source. Oh, interesting. So I can't, I couldn't view the horse horse with the keyboard, keyboard keystroke. I had to use oh, the mouse. Sure does. <laughs> a, yeah, so that's funky. You can also, like, just when you hit the page, mm-hmm. if you just hit the tab key, the first time you hit the tab key, it brings up the accessibility menu. Oh, that's cool. Now, the reason I said, oh, wait a second, is because there's a lot of feeling, and it's entirely correct, that... While the tool is useful and it has a lot of features in it and all that, most folks who need to use accessibility enhancement features already have something built into their browser. They already have their tool set at the ready for that. And so they're not going to go hunting, looking for a custom one on the website. And in fact, those tools can sometimes clash with their native tools. So it's... Good to see that they cared enough to do it, Mm -hmm. but it's unfortunate that they did it, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) I know that's weird, but now what I do also have to give her credit for, though, uh, Bollier's site is the only one out of all of them except Biden's, and I'm not going to consider the presidential sites on this, Mm -hmm. that had an accessibility statement on their site. Huh. And it kind of makes sense because she was a doctor. So I don't know if that factored into it or not, but nobody else besides Biden's site had any kind of accessibility statement or commitment on their site. So that's interesting. It's disappointing. Yeah. I think more than anything. I think having that accessibility tool feels like if instead of having a wheelchair ramp, if you had one of those things where you sit in the chair and it like rides you up the stairs or whatever, because if you were coming there in a wheelchair anyways, you wouldn't be able to use that. Right. Here's the other irony about that. Um, sorry, Barbara, but she had the second highest number of wave failures. <laughs> <laughs> so 122 is highest. She had 55. So one problem that her site had and that led me into a much deeper rabbit hole as a consequence was the issue of keyboard navigation. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I was not prepared for how much of a shit show keyboard navigation is for folks. The awfulness with which some of these sites go and I originally, when I had first started testing this, I had started on Trump's site, and I was like, man, it can't get worse than that. And it did. Many of the sites had no focus state whatsoever of any kind. Really? 
And so, and Trump's was the first I noticed, like as you tab through that uh, DonaldJTrump.com, you have no clue where you are as you tab through that site. Like there's, <laughs> there's nothing. There's no hover state. There's no underlines. There's nothing. But then I started looking at others and time and time and time and time again, nothing, no states, no boxes, no outlines, no underlines, nothing. Huh. I, I was legitimately astonished because um, it wasn't two or three sites. It was like half of them. And even then, some of the sites had focus states on some things and not others. I ran into sites that had sub-navigation that you couldn't get to from the keyboard at all. Really? There was no way to do it. <laughs> and the parent item on one of those wasn't a link. You know, it was like just a hash, you know, a, a null link with the dropdown. Only get, you can only get to it through the mouse. There was no way to tab into the sub-navigation. So that entire menu was useless to anybody with a keyboard. I know this isn't keyboard navigation, but one of the sites disabled the right mouse button. Oh, that's right. They did. That, which I, I, I usually see that on like artist websites and stuff where like they don't want you downloading their art. They just disable right click. And the when you try to right click, it says like, you know, all rights reserved. All rights or reserved yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it, whatever, man. <laughs> one site had a tab index that was just head over heels. There was a form in its header. And as you tab through the page, you skipped oh. the form, you went through the whole page, and then it threw you back up to the top when you got to the <laughs> bottom of the page to go through the form. Oh my god. Tab index was all over the place. One of the sites had really good focus states on everything, but they, had, they did that technique where instead of just having responsive navigation, they had a hidden mobile navigation. And so as you got to the end of their primary nav and kept hitting tab, it, it actually around. opened up the mobile nav. Oh, my God. And you had to go through it a second time. <laughs> the, one of my favorites, though, my absolute favorite thing was a site that had focus states. They put a box around everything as you tab through it. But when you got into the content and hit any kind of links, yeah. the focus state changed the text to white on a white <laughs> background so you had a box around that you knew you were there but the the text went away just because like <laughs> one of the sites had video well not one of them many of them had video um, but only one of them that i looked at had video that had curated manually written captions Okay. A, a few of them had auto-generated captions, which isn't terrible, but it's not perfect. And then the rest had some had no captions, like not even auto-generated. I don't. I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought YouTube automatically did that now, but not having captions on your videos is a big one. And I was really pleased because the one that had good manual captions mm -hmm. didn't have the same information in text otherwise, like the bio section of their website was just a video. Okay. So you really needed the captions in that case, or else you wouldn't have any information about them. Um, huh. So that, that was important in that case. Needless to say, accessibility is a huge, I think, failing in this case. Yeah. Um, let's talk about user flows. Let's talk about some of these user journeys that happen. First and foremost, and most disruptive, Let's talk about the fucking interstitials and pop-ups. 
Wait, wait. Define interstitials really quick. So like an interstitial is a page and or pop-up that completely blocks you from continuing on to the page. Yeah. As opposed to a pop-up, which the page itself loads, but something pops up over the top of it. Right. You, you see this a lot. Like you go to a blog and they pop up, subscribe to our newsletter. And so you get this box. Right. You're not there to subscribe to the newsletter. You're there to read the blog post. Um, and so <laughs> this attention begging and this demanding of, hey, do this thing that you didn't come here for is itself very disruptive to users. Um, now, granted, yes, a lot of people go to these sites to donate. I get that. I don't know that it's the most important. And I do know there are ways to do it less disruptively. If you're going to a site to donate, you can load the site normally and you'd look for the donate button. And I presume that the candidate will always make the donate button very obvious because they want you to. You don't need to have the interstitial thing. I would, I would love to see an A-B test statistics when you, if you split, if you split it 50-50 and you had the A group would be no interstitial donate request and the B group was with one. I would be really curious to see if, if the B group was actually had more donations. I, one thing that jumped out at me with these, so a lot of these sites, I'd say half of them had some form of pop-up or, or interruptive experience. Um, some of them, that was donation begging. Um, some of it was just signing up for you know newsletters and whatnot. There's a sister, brother, step-sibling to the interstitial, which is um, the sticky bag. And the only site that does it is Biden's, um, where on their site, the bottom stays stuck with donate options as you scroll the site. Oh, yeah. I, see that I call now. this out specifically. There's an article over at Try My UI um, that we'll have linked in the show notes. They looked at the top five Democrat nominee sites earlier mm. in the cycle, and they, they did an incredible job. They lined up um, like 50 tests with a bunch of people, um, Canadians. They tried to find like a neutral sort of mm. group, so to speak. Um, so they actually used Canadians as their test subjects for this and scored across a number of metrics to see like which sites were sort of sort of objectively best. Mm. They made an observation, though. It said out of the 50 tests across all candidate sites, Joe's site was the only site that made the user less likely to support the candidate. That specific tester cited the whole donation scheme as putting me off, quite frankly. <laughs> and it's it's this idea and why I get to this whole thing about the pop-ups and the interstitials and all of this. The begging, the donation begging that takes place is, I find it incredibly off-putting, and I know I'm not the only one in that boat, that you don't have to have five different places on your page with donate buttons. One is good enough. One in the nav. I know where it is at that point. Like, <laughs> it, I don't need it everywhere. And, and those folks will find that button if that is what they are there to do. This this reminds me a lot of uh, way back, I think in season one, we were talking about e-commerce sites. Yeah. And there's that whole pattern of, you know, really pushing a hard sell and asking for a bunch of information from the user and trying to like kind of compel them into making a purchase rather than just trusting that like if the user's interested in your product they'll want to do the sale like they yeah. want to enter a transaction with you same thing with politics sites if i actually stand behind you and like i like the politics you offer you have good content you have good policies i want to give you money and like i i want to support 
and build those CTAs into the obvious conversion points. Yeah. The mid, the random middle of your page is not a conversion point. That's right. There's nothing happening there that would that would entice somebody. The things I would like to see cuz a sites these sites all make it very easy to give money. Like it's it's absurdly mm. easy. They all they care about is you giving them money ultimately. And so the constant repetition of these buttons of these blocks starts to reek of desperation. The worst mm. one I saw was a campaign that didn't do anything except link to PayPal. <laughs> and that, that just, just felt money. gross. Like that didn't even feel right. Like that felt like this dude's going to take my money and, and yeah. go buy some ball jar Bloody Marys or something. <laughs> I would, I, I think in that case, I, I mean, using a, a pay clearing service like ActBlue or WinRed, you know, I guess maybe isn't that much more trustworthy than using PayPal. But I, if it was something like PayPal or Venmo or whatever, I would be really worried that, that it's not being recorded correctly. Right, yeah. Or that there might be more, like, more potential for campaign fraud. Um, the, the, like, the errors I see room for optimization, and this is one thing you'd brought up. Um, mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders did this during the primary where when you went right. to his site, he had a donate the average button. So was, I think right. it was like 27 bucks at that point. Some, something like that, yeah. Um, and this is a similar technique used elsewhere outside of politics. Anybody who's ever looked at the Humble Bundle, Right, yes. The Humble Bundle is a thing you can go, it's a little video game bundle you can buy. They rotate games in and out of it, and the uh, amount you pay goes to charity. And it's a pay-what-you-want kind of model. If you want to pay a dollar, you can pay a dollar. Uh, mm -hmm. But they use that donate, or pay the average, donate the average, as a means of encouraging people to do that. And they do. That's the thing. Like That is a proven, effective tactic to get people to give You know what's cool about more. that, though? The more people do that, it bumps the average up. So, yeah, and it does. That's that's yeah. the thing. The average does go up. It does. You can literally see that it is an effective tactic to get people to give more money. When you look at these sites, fourteen sites we dug through, the approach to raising money is lazy. Yeah, I hate to be mean. I I know folks work hard on these things, but at the same time, there's so much room to test to adjust, to optimize, and do better, and make a better experience, that if you could just go through and, and turn those nuts a little bit, you're going to find that you can actually get a much higher conversion rate. I would, I wish, I wish they would do more A-B testing with this, and I'm surprised that the higher profile candidates don't, or if they do, they don't disclose that they do, but um, I... I, I bet there are certain strategies that are more effective, like, you know, they raise a million dollars, could they have made two million if they had done, you know, not doing sticky bagging or not doing doing interstitial? And could they have made I, more by just doing I a donate button? I guarantee you they could. I I yeah. I would absolutely promise anybody that it, that mm -hmm. that little bit of research. I looked. I tried to find if anybody had done actual UX research on that, and I couldn't find any. So yeah. So speaking of finding stuff, finding answers. Right. So this is the other. <laughs> why else do you go to a campaign site? You're donating, or you want to learn more about them, right? Right. One thing I found, if you're trying to find answers to issues, what where mm -hmm. does where do these people stand on things? Um, the keywords fell into some, I think, pretty okay groups. You had priorities. Two sites mm -hmm. had priorities. Um, the winner was issues. Seven sites, half the sites used issues as their link. Um, mm -hmm. One of them said platform. 
which is kind of nice. It takes me back to like grade school civics where, you know, you learn okay. about platform planks and all of that. Right. Issues and goals was used by one. Um, there was uh, several cases of like X's vision. So, you know, so-and-so's vision uh, okay. or, or whatnot. So a little more creative, I guess. But, and one site had nothing. There were, there was, as far as I could tell, there were no links of any kind to find any information about where they stood on anything. <laughs> the um, Trump site is one, the most interesting, I guess, out of all of these. Their link says promises kept. That's the link in their navigation to find. Like, if you were saying, I wonder, I want to know where Trump stands on, you know, uh, oil drilling. And yeah. you go to a site, there's nothing that says issues or, or platform or any of these things, but there is a promises kept link. That promises kept goes to a microsite, a separate microsite called promiseskept.com that on its face kind of looks okay. It's kind of nice. They've got a bunch of uh, chunks of stuff, economy and jobs, immigration, foreign policy, um, all of these things. So you can click through and read those. And then there's a search box on... For a comp, it says search accomplishments. Well, mm. I was looking through, and the one subject I happened to choose, I didn't see an obvious thing for, which was guns. Okay, tell me what you think about guns, Mister Trump. And I didn't see anything there, so I typed guns into the search box, and I got mm. no, I got one result, and it was just about one piece of legislation he signed, but nothing else. <laughs> it's not tied into anything. There's, I I didn't dig real hard, but I didn't find anything on that page that told me what his stance was on that. And it, that's an important thing to a lot of people. Uh, so what I get, so we, A, I bring that up just because I thought it was weird. I was real encouraged. I thought it was a novel approach, and then I was really disappointed, and I still have no idea why they made it a separate separate microsite instead of just part of his site. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. What I see here is, like, this is the meat and potatoes of the perfect card sorting opportunity <laughs> yeah. both both from the navigation standpoint to really narrow down is issues the best word is issues the word that most people would look for right. if they were coming to the site but then also because you have these large groupings of ideas and concepts mm -hmm. you know do people look for economy or do people look for finances um do people look for immigration or do people look for homeland security I found one page, for instance, they offered no navigation. You went to their issues hmm. page, and it was like scrolling in a dark closet. It had no light, and <laughs> you just had the hope that as you were scrolling down this long page that you would see a headline with a keyword that would catch your eye as to what you wanted to read about. Right. Um, and as a result, you, you end up with what we call mystery meat navigation on a lot of these. Like, you don't know if they're going to have what you're looking for. You know, their nomenclature may not be the same as the other ones, and you may have to just make a guess and hope that, you know, the filler is there. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to really improve that process of how do I feel about X? And the other thing, especially as you get more local, at least I noticed this with ours, the, the number of things that they had stances on really, really narrowed down. Like one of them had three things that they had written up, mm -hmm. and that was it. Like, it's not a lot of information. The listing the issues in platform reminds me of remember when we were doing the restaurant episode, yeah, in season one, the the kiss, uh, keep it simple, stupid, and then what was it uh, Pam the phone address and menu, yeah, 
There's got to be some kind of Pam, but for give us, political give sites. Give us the base items. Give us your menu, yeah. and we're happy. <laughs> One experience that I found really hit or miss was looking for how to volunteer. There, okay. there was a lot all over the place in terms of, you know, some of them had really obvious links that just said, hey, volunteer. Some of them, one of them had uh, the wording, take action, and it was behind that. And so I, I, I didn't love that because it's like, take action on what, you know? <laughs> what, um, what would you mean? <laughs> some had nothing at all. But it, it just seemed like a weird, like, you, you want people to get engaged. You want people to help knock on doors or deliver signs. Like, not right. making that easier felt a little weird to me in some cases. I get it for some of the really small campaigns that maybe they don't even have the capacity to take on volunteers, but mm -hmm. some of the bigger ones that were lacking that kind of surprised me. You um, know who did a really cool job of crowdsourcing um, campaign efforts was Pete Buttigieg. Um, he had that whole, like, like what was it? The, the downloadable design, design system. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, you know, he kind of encouraged people to create their own content that was in line with his campaign standards and i thought that i remember when we talked about design systems i remember we looked at his site and i thought that was really cool uh, yeah, i wish mentioned more... in that blog post too um oh is he cool reason. yeah yeah only five sites again not including the presidential candidates only five sites had privacy policies uh, which to me feels important, especially in a world where CCPA is going to become a thing. And I, so I, I have a pretty good understanding of why that's important, but could you explain why a privacy policy on a political site might matter? Uh, tracking. How are they tracking mm. you? Because they are, they absolutely are, um, from, <laughs> you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, to the websites for cross promotion purposes, um, with your donations, how are they using your information? Mm -hmm. um, this is going to come will up be shared with. Um, here pretty yeah. quickly. And just knowing, you know, especially when you're giving your information over to a governmental entity of some kind, um, mm -hmm. I mean, even a campaign, knowing what they are intending to do with your information, to me, is a very important thing. And right. I, I would expect more of them to, to have that. The other thing, as far as, like, just getting other stuff, mm -hmm. only... Uh, two sites offered Spanish language, and it was just the presidential candidates. Nobody else, no other candidate site had any Spanish um, translations. They didn't even offer you, like, the Google Translate button or something. Um, that was really disappointing to see. So let's uh, hit on a couple form issues that I picked up on. Um, mm -hmm. One was really bizarre, and this was the one you alluded to. There's uh, one of the candidates you landed on their site, and right in their hero, they have a form right there, a voice of reason in Washington. Give us your email address, your zip, and your phone number. Join the team. And I'm like... Yeah, that's that's not clear to me either. Like, I, I think I know what they mean, but it's not clear. I, well, I'm clearly not giving you enough information to be part of yeah. your team. It's it's a form. The form is there to sign up for updates. That's what you're doing. Oh, really? You're... It's not for volunteering? I thought it was for volunteering. No. It is for getting updates uh, from the campaign, that's, just news. Yeah. But the vernacular that they use on the button is join the team. And I'm like, I'm not interested in joining the team. I want to get updates. But you've now made this a very confusing experience for me. <laughs> There's a similar one that has your email address in zip. Join team Tracy. Count uh -huh. me in. But right. that form is absent any context. It's a form that just exists on an image. I don't know. And again, 
all you're giving is email address zip, no name, no address, mm -hmm. no contact information besides email. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean to join the team in this case? Because it's not volunteering. It's not in a volunteer yeah. section. This was right on the homepage. I see one um, for another candidate. It's a similar form. First, last, email address, submit, join the campaign. But I, I think that's the same thing, though. It's it's signing up for updates. Oh, uh, but another campaign, uh, their website says the heading is sign up for updates, first, last email address, submit. There we go. Yeah, that one was clear. I know exactly yeah. which form you're talking about because I, yeah. I noted that one. Some of them were good, but the wording on those is incredibly weird. Um, and I don't know if they're trying to be clever or, or what the deal is, but mm -hmm. um, and they're wanting to feel inclusive and they're wanting to like make you feel like you're part of the movement. But mm -hmm. you need to make your transactions like I guarantee you I could make one change to these forms and probably double the number of people who fill them out. <laughs> like that's <laughs> not even like a huge thing at that point. I I have a feeling that some of these sites are looking at other political sites and being like well what's the language everyone's using and then kind of taking that and then deriving from that rather than actually thinking like what would make the most sense for our users to read how could we communicate this clearly yeah want to hit the nail on the head with this and and <laughs> then put the subject to bed before i get angry <laughs> hostile design let's talk about hostile design and how it factors into politics because you might be shocked to know that political websites use some shady tactics. Wait, no, in America? I, I know, right? American like, politics this does should, shady things? I am shocked. I am flabbergasted. There's an article over at itsahappymedium.com. Uh, Nick Throckmorton wrote this. Um, he looked at dark UX and UI patterns in 2020 politics. Some of the ones he noted were things like deliberate misdirection, forced continuity, growth hacking via spamming, accessibility, non-observance, and abuse. Roach Motel, and The Expanding Basket. If you don't know what those are, um, go back and listen to our episode with uh, Ron Bronson. Uh, episode 41, Ron, Ron Bronson. Episode yeah. 41. We talked yeah. about uh, those back then. We brought up hostile design in a lot of places. Hostile design, hostile patterns, dark patterns, these things are fairly interchangeable terms. This is where I'm going to go off. So, okay. Trump versus Biden. Non-politically yeah. speaking, I'm strictly talking about the usability, and the hostile design that's being deployed. I looked at their two giving portals. So if you go in, go to Trump's website and click the Contribute button, go to Biden's website and click the Donate Now button, um, and you land on a page. So, of course, Biden's is through Act Blue, and Trump's is through uh, Win Red. Like, literally. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me these two companies are owned by the exact same people at the end of the day. <laughs> So selling weapons to both sides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's, man, this is going to be brutal, but first off, Trump deploys deliberate misdirection. First and foremost, he pre-selects the $1,000 button, um, and it's kind of because buttons are being used as an option instead of like a radio button or a checkbox. Right. Um, the fact that that is pre-selected is a little, it's a little unnoticeable, so to speak. And he uses, this is one of those things, and this drives me nuts, and I'm going to resist going down this road too far. Um, he, as part of that misdirection, they're using words on their donate page like sweepstakes. Mm -hmm. And 
you're you're not entering a sweepstakes. You're donating to a political campaign, and right. that process of implying that you are is meant to trigger on a person's FOMA, fear of missing out. FOMO, I'm sorry, um, yeah. fear of missing out. They feel like there is a a uh, manufactured scarcity on something, and that they have to act now to get something. I have a lot of issues with that, and I'm gonna leave it at that. But suffice it to say. That is deliberate misdirection writ large. Yeah. They have forced continuity. By default, his uh, selection form has weekly donations turned on. So if you are donating 25 bucks and you're not paying attention... Or the default of $1,000. Yeah, on, on $1,000, no less, oh for the default value. You change it to 25 bucks, you're still actually agreeing to give $25 every week unless you notice it and turn it off. Mm -hmm. um, and it buries the option to not do that. It buries the fact that you're doing $1,000 a week. It does say it, but it's in gray print at the very, very bottom of the form. And it's it's not obvious. And let's talk about these options, right? Because there are two of yeah. them here. One of them is about the weekly recurrence. And one of them is about a, an automatic donation yeah. of the same amount, which is, I think, the one you're talking about. Right. These are... I had Aaron look at this. I said, go to the form and, and tell me how you opt out of the weekly donation. <laughs> there are two giant, and it, what's hilarious about this is it's the complete opposite of what you would think. There are two giant yellow boxes right on the form. They stand out, they're in your face, but they don't look okay. like options. You read the boldface text, I'll read the plain text underneath it. Okay, hold on. Let me let me put on my campaign voice. There's like a, a large yellow box, and I if I had to guess on my screen, it looks like it's maybe about five inches across, but like four inches down. It's pretty, really big, and it's the has several lines: one, two, three, four, five, about nine or ten lines of text that are in boldface, really big letters, and then underneath that is a single line that's non-bold, maybe even a font size smaller. And above them is where you select your value, where all yes. the buttons the are. The checkbox so is at the very top click, by the boldface text. You click your fifty bucks, and you see a blue button for continue and and everything else. Both of these start checked, so they're they're kind of trying to sneak into cart a little bit on this. So here's the first box. This is the final month until election day, and we need every patriot stepping up if we're going to win four more years for President Trump. He's revitalizing our economy, restoring law and order, and returning us to American greatness, but he's not done yet. This is your chance. Stand with President Trump and maximize your impact now. Make this a weekly recurring donation until 11-3. The second box. President Trump says, I will not waste my... I can't do a President Trump uh, impersonation, <laughs> by the way. I will not waste my time on a virtual debate with Joe Biden. The fake news is trying to protect Sleepy Joe from another crushing defeat. The American people deserve a real debate. Stand with me and fight back. Donate an additional $1,000 automatically on 10 15 The $1,000 is whatever you had picked on the... Yeah, whatever the was selected above. Like, the, they have buried the lead on these features. Instead of it just being a donate weekly and, you know, make a second donation later. If you came to the site and just clicked through, if you're like, I'm going to donate now, and just click continue right away, what would happen is that you would be donating a thousand dollars a week between now and november 3rd so and a thousand dollars next week on top of four. that Th this is like one of those boxes that pops up and it's like you know either 
subscribe to the news site or click here if you don't not want to support news because right. you're a terrible person who doesn't pay to read articles <laughs> on the site. So uncheck this if you want to be a uncheck good this person, if you hate but babies. not if you don't want it to be a bad. Like they, it's <laughs> literally trying to use so much text that it confuses you into what yeah. and, and trying to make you sad. Like, are you, well, I want to stand with President Trump. I have to do this. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. Or, or like uncheck this box to opt in. Yeah. Oh yeah, Something yeah, like that. The, yeah. The double negative type deal. <laughs> Set the value to false to disagree. Right. <laughs> no, this is like again. This is as bad as I have ever seen ever. Yeah. Um, accessibility non-observance. The donation fine print is gray on a white background, and it's small. So mm. underneath that form, all of that fine print is intentionally made to be hard to read. Um, to not stand out, to not draw your attention, and to keep you from from reading. The form itself is okay. Like it had a few wave errors. I don't remember how many. It was just a handful, and most of them were um, again contrast errors. But it was yeah. almost all the contrast errors were in that section for the fine print. I and again, this isn't uh, this isn't a political statement we're making. Like th- this is. I don't care who this was. Like this is this is not a okay. This is bad. Yeah, no. This this is legitimate bad usability in practice. Uh, this is everything we teach you to not do. Yeah. Uh, the the last thing is you end up with Roach Motel and anybody who's uh, you can sign up for Trump emails. You get them constantly, mm-hmm. and then those emails in turn reuse a lot of these tactics. The you know yeah. the manufactured scarcity things like that come into play a ton. Sweepstakes, FOMO. So how Biden's site compares to this um, or his donation portal rather. I think, I think most of the sites are similar to the, this other more yeah, sensible. Yeah. I, I would definitely yeah. say like, I don't think a lot of them were too egregious. The biggest problem I saw was like with the donation amounts mm-hmm. and we were talking before this, uh, if you don't know, $2,800 is the FEC maximum um, right. for an individual, but some of them have like weird amounts above that. Some of them have fifty six hundred, which we we yeah we saw one with uh eleven thousand eight hundred. I think yeah. was like the the, the fifty six hundred. I think made sense because as we kind of determined, well, that's two individuals basically, right? Uh, yeah, but the eleven thousand eight hundred, the best we can conclude was that it was meant to be a, a, eleven. I mean, six. it was a typo, but yeah, um, which would be fifty eight hundred times two. Maybe that's like. You contribute twenty eight hundred and your spouse, and then your best friend and their spouse. And well, you know what? And here's maybe the answer to the question: You can donate mm-hmm. all of that twice, if it's once during the primary and once during the campaign. Oh. Though I don't know how that actually works. Trying to do it all at once. So for for Biden's purpose, outside like that, the number amount was the one that stood out to us the most. Um, mm-hmm. But he a has no pre-selected value when you land on that form. You just mm-hmm. choose how much you're going to donate. He's not trying to force a value on you. Nothing weird about any of those values. Um, he doesn't even have the max value on there, the, the 2800 That's not listed. I mean, you can type it in, but you have to voluntarily say, hey, this is the amount I want to give. Yeah. Second, he does not have a weekly donation checked by default. Actually, I- he, if he specifically has no donate once checked by default. Yeah. It's in red. But so is whatever your choices is, is in red, and and it's got a check mark on it. On yeah, top of that. it's really it's, clear. It's it, could it be clear? Yeah, I think it could be, but it's clear enough. I think in this particular mm-hmm. case that 
I, I wouldn't call it out. Um, he's He is doing the right thing as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. The other thing is his fine print is regular size. Like, it, it, the fine print is, A, it's also yeah. shorter than what it was on Trump's site. But it's the same size as the rest of the text. It's the same color. Um, the contrast is bit, good. A little bit lighter. Oh, I didn't check the contrast bit. on this one. My my yeah. screen has started going into flux mode, so my colors oh. are a little off right now. <laughs> Let me run it through Andy real quick while you're talking. But but it's still, I mean, it's that is definitely within contrast compliance. I don't even need to check it to know that. Um, in fact, by comparison, there is only one contrast error on the whole page. Yeah, actually, you're right. I just checked. Yeah, and o- oddly enough, it's the red button, the white text on a red button. <laughs> you're is right, not, and it's exactly what it is. It's not, it's not a good <laughs> option. Oh, that is too funny. Yeah, the uh, the 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 text, the the fine print text on the bottom does actually pass. It's a four point eight seven to one contrast ratio. Yeah. Minimum requirement is four point five. Nice. So, I I call out Trump, and I'm giving Biden credit, but I think it's earned in both cases. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Biden has a Roach Motel component. If you sign, if you donate to him, oh. I'm sure you're going to get tons of emails from him. That's kind of to be expected at that point. Um, but you don't get the deliberate misdirection. You don't get the forced continuity. You don't have the problems with accessibility, non-observance. Man, it's unfortunate to say the least. Uh, in the end, the one thing I said to Aaron as we were looking through the stuff, I went back and pulled Trump's site up from 2016. Mm-hmm. Honestly. I think his site took a huge step backwards um, in terms of accessibility, in terms of layout, in terms of just content in general. I think he had a better site four years ago. Yeah. In almost every way. It's kind of weird. It's a weird thing to kind of see and watch in that case. Um, And the donation portal, absolutely. um, Like his donation model from 2016 was much better. This donation portal is horrific. (laughs) <laughs> as the only word I can use for it. I think in fairness, um, the I, I did look at a few other Republican candidates, just random ones from different races, and a lot of them use WinRed, which is the, the Republican equivalent of ActBlue, I'm assuming. And they all have sensible, like the plain, the uh, fine text is generally readable. A couple of them, the contrast ratio looks a little bit light and probably doesn't validate, but it is larger at least, and it's spaced out and readable. And there's no pre-selected amounts. I say, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at one right now. They didn't force me into any amount to start with. Yeah, they have they have a they have uh, a make this a monthly recurring donation, but it's a checkbox, and it's really clear that that's what it is doing. Right? Yeah, like this one I'm looking at just says October victory surge. Donate an additional mm-hmm. X on ten yep. fifteen. There's not yep, a I paragraph that one too. <laughs> of stuff trying to confuse you into what you're doing. No, um, it, it all seems very straightforward. And and I think this is what I would expect from a from a political site. This feels like kind of an, an honest attempt to to request a donation from uh from someone. So somebody chose to make Trump's donation portal bad. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. So, yeah. That is a choice that somebody made. And or, not, I am not, not gonna not feel bad, bad about but hostile. I, like I, I think I think bad bad can suggest like it's not functional or something it's very functional at doing a hostile thing <laughs> and, and he's the only one like out of all of the thing all the other races we've looked at everyone else had uh like a more sensible and less hostile approach towards asking for donations 
Aaron, what are you doing tomorrow? I don't know. What are you doing? I got work. Well, I have work too. Luckily, I have two monitors and two ears because... You have two ears? I was born with two, believe it or That's not. That's an above average number of years. Did um, you know that? It's a uh, mutation. Um, <laughs> it's above average. It, it makes me more likely to be able to uh, have offspring who will carry on my superior genetic traits. <laughs> Uh, like two ears <laughs> and only two wisdom message. teeth I only had two wisdom teeth as a matter of fact uh, but besides <laughs> that uh, if you have nothing going on for Tuesday and I know that it's Monday if you're listening to this on release day so we're talking literally about tomorrow um, mm -hmm. Live at Manning is doing their uh, conference series this conference series is streamed on Twitch so you don't have to go anywhere or do anything tickets are free and their nice. next conference is going to be the Women in Tech series if you want to check that out, go to drunkenux.com slash womenintech. That's W-O-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-C-H. You can grab a free ticket for that event. They have a... Man, and what is it? They've got like a, a dozen uh, women lined I so. up. I, I, yeah. I think it is. The top the topics look really interesting. We're, we're talking VR. We're talking about algorithms, software engineering, just, you know, working and uh, interviewing and stuff in the tech space. Um, so lots of advice, a lot of experience coming into play. So be sure to check that out. Free event, don't have to go anywhere. Even if you're working, you throw it up on the screen and let it run in the background and just listen to the stories being shared. So mm -hmm. check them out. Um, again, free tickets at drunkenux.com slash women in tech. And hopefully we will, I guess I won't see you there, but hopefully we'll hear that you were there. Folks, I hope you found this uh, interesting and useful. Uh, I hope we hit on some stuff that you can apply to sites that you're working on or building. Or if you ever are interested in getting into helping a campaign out with their site, take some of this stuff and think about the way that uh, your users will consume it. If you want to talk to us about any of that, check us out on Twitter or Facebook at slash drunken UX. Uh, if you find us on uh, Instagram, it is slash drunken UX podcast. Or if you just want to chat with us, you can stop by drunkenux.com slash discord, and that will get you the invite that drops you right into our discord channel. Incidentally, if you're if you're a uh, either in charge of a political site or if you're a politician or something, and you have questions or would like to chat about some of the stuff we talked about today, or like maybe how to improve your site, I, I I don't know about you, but I would be willing to have you know I could make some time, have some coffee or something. Oh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll always talk to anybody. Um, yeah. I'm starved for attention. That's why I run a <laughs> podcast. And, and if you want a, another book, it's hard to find. Um, you may be able to track a PDF of it down, though. And this has, again, nothing to do with partisanship or anything, but the book Designing Obama, um, about the design system and stuff they use to develop oh, the right. campaign uh, design assets for all that, mm -hmm. is incredible. Uh, <laughs> the amount of work and... Detail that went into that and and thought that went into it from their design team um, is really something. So it's it's worth a look. And I don't know that any other campaign has put out uh, material quite to that scale and and depth. I think I think Buttigieg's was trying to go that that yeah. route at least. Yeah, yeah. He had a very interesting approach, and that it did kind of your right lean on. Hey, here's our design system. Mm -hmm. Go out and and be fruitful. Um, it's neat to see engagement like that and thought put into those processes um, because it really shows that these are folks who are keeping their personas close but <laughs> their voters closer bye-bye <laughs> bye, -bye. <laughs> bye.